greater than the greatest. You are mightier than all. We are in awe of your wondrous love. And we want to thank you and appreciate you for this opportunity that we are among the living who can celebrate your goodness. We have seen the salvation of the Lord. Our heart is lifted up to praise and to worship you. Lord, this morning, set our worship in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know you are here. Spirit of the living God, we know you are here. Because you bear it witness within us. That we are sons and daughters of the living God. We know we are citizens of heaven. We dwell here on earth to manifest your plans and your purposes. And Lord, we know that the enemy is standing in the way. But as we dance and celebrate your majesty, we know you have overcome for us. You have given us victory. You have given us triumph. Open our eyes to see what you have done. Open our eyes that we might see that they that be with us, they are more than they that are against us. Open our eyes, Almighty God, to see the great and mighty power with which you have saved us. Open our eyes, open our mind to understand that once you are with us, we are more than conquerors. Open our eyes, open our minds of understanding that we may comprehend with all the scent the triumphant victory that you have given unto us. No longer shall we be intimidated. No longer shall we entertain fear. No longer shall we entertain the deceit of Satan. Because we're victorious. You have declared that it is finished. And so Lord it is finished. The victory is ours. To the glory of your holy name. And this day Lord as we look into your word. We ask. That your mighty power will walk within us. And every eye shall see. And they shall glorify your holy name. Lord we thank you this morning. As we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And the church will say. If you believe that say it louder. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You're welcome in the name of Jesus, and we know some people are still traveling, but for those who are here, let's endeavor to be our brother's keepers, and let's give them a call and find out what is going on, pray with them, encourage them. Like Paul says, my mind was at rest when I did not see my brother. So let's be like Paul so that our mind will always be uh, on ease whenever we don't see our brothers. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you excited to be here this morning? Okay, we sound so cold. If you are happy and you know, say amen. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. All right. This morning we're going to look into the word of God briefly. And at the end of the day, we're going to pray special prayer. In the word of God we're going to look at today, I just try to title Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, a one-man terror, turned God's own treasure. Saul of Tarsus, a one-man terror, turned God's own treasure. We're going to look into the life of Paul briefly because you really cannot exhaust 
the life of Paul in one year. That alone, one message. So we're just going to look into few, few things that I think the Holy Spirit is calling our attention to this day. And you may ask, why Paul? And why not Paul? Amen? Why not Paul? He single-handedly wrote 13 out of the 27 books in the New Testament. And the book of Hebrew is in contention. If he ended up being the one that wrote the book of Hebrews, then he wrote 14 out of 27. Why would I not want to know more about that kind of fella? Amen? Paul is an interesting fellow. And as you will see shortly, he was indeed a terrorist. Okay? So it is not new to begin to see terrorism coming out of the region of Turkey. Okay? Because that was the region where Saul of Tarsus came from the city of Sicilia in Turkey. Amen? Amen. So all those regions within Turkey, they've been terrorists for a long time. <laughs> and Saul, yours truly, was chief among them. Hallelujah. So why would we not want to look at is an interesting, such an interesting character like that? And I believe the Lord specifically chose Saul, Paul, because in many ways, in so many ways, we should, I think, in the mind of God, be able to relate with the story of Paul. Like us, he never saw Jesus physically. He came to know the Lord after Jesus had been crucified. We never saw Jesus. We read about Jesus. Okay? Like us, we were terrorists before we came to know the Lord. So we have so many similarities with Paul of Tarsus. And I think the Lord deliberately created the epistle of his life. So we will not be reading it as a myth that we cannot relate with, but we can see ourselves in the picture as we go through the epistle of Paul. Amen? Amen. Why will we not study Paul? Now let's look at Acts of Apostles chapter 19. Let's begin from there quickly because I want to make sure I just capture the nuggets. My challenge to you after today is to take Paul as a subject in the scripture that you want to spend some time with and you want to ask God to teach you what he wants you to know about Paul. I believe God wants us to know something about Paul and you will see the reason shortly. Amen? Acts of Apostles chapter 19 I'm going to read from verse 10. 
why will I need to pay attention to Paul? Apart from the fact that he wrote 13 out of 27 books, I think Acts of Apostles chapter 19 picture or capture the picture real good. Verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years. You can read from the beginning. I'm just going to cut it short because I have very short time. And this continued from verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwell in Asia had the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Okay, pay attention to this. This is, this is God reporting what happened during the era of Paul. Paul, in his ministry, single-handedly preached the gospel, and the Bible records everyone that dwelt in Asia at the time had the gospel. I don't know if you understand. The entire Asian continent, the Bible says, through the messages, the teachings of Paul, that everyone had about Jesus, those that lived during that time. I don't know if you want to contest that, but that's what the Bible says. Amen. That blew my mind. Do you know how many Christians are alive today? And we have not been able to reach the world, the population of about six or seven billion. If Paul, just Paul, could preach to the entire Asian continent in two years, and everyone, the Bible says, everyone had, they have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. They might not agree, they might not believe, they had the opportunity to hear about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the space of two years. Why would I not want to know about that fella? Why would I not want to tap into whatever is operating in his life? Why would I not talk to God about him and say, Lord, what exactly did you do? How? Why? Amen? Read further in verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Emphasis on special. Okay? Special miracles. I mean, there are several other people that did miracles. In the Bible, Peter did miracles. The Bible never said it was special. Jesus Christ, our Lord, did miracles. The Bible never said it was special. Why would the Bible say special? Special miracle. Out of Paul. This was a man that came to know Jesus. Do you wonder why Jesus said, greater than this shall you do? Yes. Greater work than this shall you do. Peter did and Paul did. Special. Special. Keeping in mind that everything he did, he did through Jesus. So whatever he did, Jesus did. We know that. But the Bible is clear to credit it to his account and say, Paul, God wrought special miracles. I want to bow your head where you're sitting now. Whatever special miracle you need, the anointing of God is here right now to release that. The same anointing that did it through Paul, I'm going to call upon the Lord God Almighty to do that same special miracle.
have no idea what it is. But God told me, he wrought special miracle through Paul. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy unto your people according to your word that every special miracle that is due every man and every woman and all their household here today, as you wrought special miracle through the hands of Paul, that same anointing that wrought that special miracle are released right now into this congregation. And I ask by the power in your word, Lord Jesus, that special miracles be released into this atmosphere. And every man and every woman hearing my voice right now will receive those special miracles. I come against the Prince of Persia and every obstruction, every obstacle that may want to stand in the way of the word of God. Today, I curse you by the cause of the Lord. And I declare in the name of Jesus that this special miracle be released right now into every home, right now into every life, right now into every business, right now into every endeavor. In the name of Jesus, let there be no man here, O Lord God Almighty, that will not receive this special miracle. Thank you, our Redeemer God. In the name of Jesus. Why will I not want to learn about Paul? Special miracles that got wrath through his hands. Verse 12. So that from his body were brought unto the sick. Handkerchiefs. That's an example. Just, just examples of the special miracles that happened. Or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirit went out of them. In other words, God wrought such a phenomenal miracle in the life of Saul that presence was irrelevant. You don't even have to be near his vicinity. Unlike that of Peter, where his shadow was causing people to be healed, you have to be there. You still have to be there so that you can cross the shadow. You don't have to be there. Special miracle, handkerchiefs, aprons were taken as long as it touches Paul. Whoever he touches after then receives healing. That's how powerful God released and deposited upon Paul. Hallelujah. In verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirit and the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjudge you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. And there were seven sons of Scepher, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Not only did heaven recognize Paul, the kingdom of darkness recognized Paul. There was none among the apostles 
that it was recorded concerning them that demons recognized them. He said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. That's the kingdom of darkness responding. Say, in our record, within our powers and principality domains, we recognize two names. We recognize the name of Jesus. We recognize the name of Paul. Who are you? God must have done something special. He must have done something that I need. I don't know about you. In the life of Paul. There has to be a reason. There has to be something about Paul that God wanted me to know. Why would the kingdom of darkness all of a sudden in their database they look through and they say there are only two names that we respect and respond to. There are only two names that can speak to us and we will bow. The name of Jesus and Paul. Then who are you? Hallelujah. Paul, a rebel. I mean a terrorist. Now, what would this mean to us? If God can do this with a rebel, if Jesus can take a rebel, I mean, just suppose Paul with Osama bin Laden. If Jesus can take Osama bin Laden if he was not assassinated and turn his life around to do this, why do you think you are any less? Why will you not see that Jesus can do exceedingly, abundantly more with your life? You ain't a terrorist. You have not killed anyone. You have not murdered anyone. Why would Satan use guilt to tell you Jesus does not love you? Why would Satan be able to camouflage and begin to paint the picture of how terrible you are? How that Jesus cannot care about you? How that Jesus does not love you? If Jesus loved a terrorist like Saul of Tarsus. And he went ahead to demonstrate the limitless of his mercy. The limitlessness of his mercy and the power of his atonement. And he wrought all these miracles with the life of Paul. Why in the world will you think the devil should stand a chance to deceive you one moment any further? Or to tell you anything different. One moment any further. Oh, it was because of how terrible you used to be. Oh, it was because of the bad things you have done. Oh, it was because you have been a terrible, terrible. There's no way God can really, really. If he had mercy on you, it's just a merciful God. But to do something special in your life, forget it. 
See, the surreptitiousness of Satan was unraveled through the life and the epistle of Paul, telling us that there is no end to God's mercy and that the salvation of God does not elude anyone. That Jesus does not write anyone off. Jesus will love you regardless. He does not care about what you have done before, what is in your past, what is in your present or in your future. He loved you with an everlasting love. I believe God chose Paul to put an end to the lies of Satan so that you can defeat Satan every moment of the day. Hallelujah. Is someone with me? So because God was wanting to show us how limitless his mercy could be and how there is no, nothing that can stop him from using or doing with us what he has chosen to do with us. He chose Paul. He chose a terrorist. Amen? Amen. Let me show you quickly. <clears throat> Let's look at his conversion. I know we are all familiar with the book of Acts, Apostle, chapter 9. The conversion of Saul. Saul getting ready to do mayhem, continuing his terrorism, was planning to go to Damascus. He planned to go to Damascus to arrest Christians and put them in prison. And he boasts um, several times, he boasted several times about how that he had put so many in jails and that every time there was a vote in the council of the Jews concerning Christians that were arrested, he had always voted for execution. Yeah, he is not like Republicans who will, you know, not uh, own up to their votes. He owned up to his votes. I'm not a Democrat. I just saw. I, I just, I've seen several Republicans not owning up to their previous vote when it comes to discussion. Amen. So he owned up to his votes. He said, I have voted. I have always voted for execution anytime there is a vote. Concerning Christians that were arrested. Amen. So in Acts Apostles chapter 9, we read the story of uh, Saul, how that he was converted. Let's see if we can do that quickly. And Saul, verse 1, out of uh, Acts of Apostles chapter 9, verse 1, Acts of Apostles chapter 1, verse 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desire of him led us to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of his way, of this way, that's the way of Christ, whether they were men or women, he has no respect for anyone. He might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for you, for thee, to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling, 
And astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. It shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Amen? And he was three days without sight, and either neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And there he had authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, shut up. That's me. That's not there. Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Hallelujah. I don't have time to even talk about this. We'll just jump. But let me just point something to you. <clears throat> the moment... Jesus met with Saul and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul recognized the voice. Even though he has not seen Jesus while Jesus was alive. But because he was an ardent scholar of the Bible, he must have read about Jesus. Or he must have heard about Jesus from the priest. He immediately, Paul surrendered and said, Lord, Jews don't call any man Lord except the surrender to that man. He immediately surrendered and said, Lord, is this you? And wash out what Jesus said to him. He says, yes. I'm the one you've been persecuting. Say, so what should I do now? Lord? That is critical. That is so critical. Because that is 
what Jesus is looking for us to learn. One of the things. Instantaneous submission. Instantaneous obedience. No question asked. You see, I picked that up because I have the military background. I don't have the luxury to ask my commander a question when he says go. My next logical reaction, except I want to go to the guard room <laughs> or I want to be charged for court martial, sir, permission to fall out. I have no luxury to ask one more question when he says go. You see? The moment Jesus told Saul what to do, he did not ask any more questions. Keep in mind there are several million reasons why he should be asking questions. He is blind at this moment now. This is the man that came seen. He is no longer seen. He should be asking, Lord, how about my eyes? That is logical. I will. That would be the first thing on my list. And that's what we do as Christians. What is on our list might not necessarily be on his list. Why not listen to what is on his list? And just go ahead and do that. Because in doing that, whatever is in your list is covered. Blindness was on his list of priority. How will a man came into Damascus, seen, and now he's blind? And having seen the Lord, why would that not be the first priority to give to Jesus to take care of? It's simply listening to what Jesus said. He said, go. You will see a man. He will tell you what to do. Why do I need a man when Jesus is here? Why are you sending me to a man when you are the master? Instantaneous obedience. Unwavering obedience. Unquestionable obedience. The Bible said he went. The people around him helped him. What will it cause Jesus to open his eyes right there? Nothing. Nothing. Why would Jesus want me to learn about Paul? Instantaneous obedience. He could have opened his eyes before telling him to go. He said, go. With all the baggages of the trouble and all the problem you have now, all I have for you is go. You see, in the word go, every solution to his problem were already written there. Lord, will you help me to look and focus on what is on your list yes. as opposed to what is in my list? Yes. That would be a prayer point to pray. Mm. Hallelujah. Yes. The Bible said he went. Look at prophet, pastor, 
evangelist, circumference bishop, Ananias. That have been under so many Bible studies. So many tutelage. The same instruction. Ananias. Yes, sir. Lord. Go. To the city. Inquire in the house of a man called. You will see a man there. Yum, 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 yum. Lord, you can't be serious. You can't be serious. You don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about Saul of Tarsus? Have you not heard what he has done? Do you not know the reason he's here? <laughs> See? That's an apostle. Why is Jesus showing us that? Why is he showing us that contradiction? It's continuous obedience. Why did Ananias not write 27 or 13 books? Why did Ananias not do special miracles? He was Jesus' servant. Jesus never rejected him. Jesus never condemned him. But why is God showing us the contrast? You can settle for the least, or you can go for the high calling. Yes. He says, sir, this man came to arrest me, and you're asking me to go show up? Same thing to us. If only we can listen to him. If only we can listen when he says go. Just go. No question asked. Be like a soldier. Because in that word go. Everything we need is encapsulated. It's right in there. He is always wanting to see our obedience. He is always wanting to test our obedience. He is always wanting to say if we will obey. The only reason the children of Israel has to go all around was to test their obedience. The Bible said he was willing to see if they will obey him. He would have taken them straight to Canaan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why would I study Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the woman terror? That turned God's own treasure. Time is running out on me. But let's look at the account of his um, conversion again. In, I think I can just, I would have loved for us to look at the account in Acts of Apostle 22. And you can look at it again in 26. Because he repeated um, same things but with some little, little nuggets that we should not miss. Let's look at 20, 22, the account of his conversion. When at this point in time, you know, he was already ministering and doing all kinds of things. Now he was standing trial as a result of his conversion from Judaism to now the acceptance of Christ. And so he was trying to illustrate 
and uh, relate the story of his conversion in Acts of Apostles, chapter 22. And let's see that quickly. Um, in verse 22, um, in chapter 22, let's look at it because there are some things that I think we should see. <clears throat> Men and brethren, from verse 1, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in Hebrew, in the Hebrew tongue, to them, they kept the more silent. And he said, I am verily a man which, a, which I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamalia. Gamalia is a stunned Pharisee, very now well known. And taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, and ye all are this day, as ye all are this day, and are persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest that bear me witness. And all this estate of the elders, from whom also I received a letter unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there, bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. He was relating his salvation encounter. And so he was trying to let them see that he was once like them, zealous like them, persecuting the church. Okay? And it came to pass, verse 6, as I made my journey... And was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they which were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. But they had not the voice of him that spake to me. Okay, let me jump because this. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so. And so he went on on this story and. Um, <clears throat> right there in verse 14, and he said, The God of our father had chosen thee. That's Ananias now after finally uh, agreeing to go. Relating the story. <clears throat> and it came to pass in verse 17 that when I came, uh, when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him say unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of the Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem, for they will now receive thy testimony concerning me. Let's go to uh, 26. Um, that's the story of his conversion. He was relating it again and again. The reason why I wanted to point out this was Paul was so uh, convinced what happened. He was convinced about his salvation. He knew where he was going before, and he knew how the path changed. So he was able to relate the past and the present. That's an evidence of sound salvation. Once I was blind, now I can see so, <clears throat> but let's look at uh, 26. That's the one that I think I needed to show. 
Um, okay, so let's just take that one. The same story. <clears throat> and um, Okay. So verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 and 18, the Acts of Apostles chapter 26. Let's start from verse 17 and 18. It said, I am sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sin forgiven and a place in the family inviting them to inviting them into the company of those Look at this. Those who begin real living. How? By believing in me. Take note of that. Those who begin real living by believing in me. I'm reading message version. If you are not in message version, you might not see that. So message version is what I'm reading. So it said, those, and bring, and bring them to the company of those who begin real living by be, Real living, the Bible is saying here, start when I start believing. In Jesus. They are living, reliving. Their real life begins the moment I start believing him. And that's one thing that I wanted to point out there. So, um, so he went on. I, I'll just leave this. So you can read all of this. So here is where he was giving his account. He actually mentioned the fact that he was a terror. He was a one-man terror. He was a one-man terror. You know, trying to convince, you know, um, uh, the priest and all those that were accusing him that something happened. And that's why my life has changed. Amen? <clears throat> so, he gave all of those, but I want to leave all of those for you to read and study so that you can see, you know, how evidently clear it is in the scriptures that there is no one outside of Jesus' salvation. No one. There is no sinner within the limit or outside the limit of salvation. There is no heinous crime that any man on earth can commit that Jesus cannot pardon. So that the way we relate with people, we have to understand as Jesus is showing us the picture of Saul, of Tarsus, okay, that we, we will comprehend and begin to understand that there is no one beyond salvation in your household, in your place of work, in your community. I don't care what they do. Even if they are worse than Osama, they are worse than Saul of Tarsus. Jesus is trying to show to us that I can save to the uttermost. I can save any man. I can bring any man from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of my light. I can reach out unto any man that I have created to bring them unto me. And Saul, who became Paul, had that same mindset. He understood perfectly because that was his story. And I want you to know that as long as you don't know your story, you judge people. You know, you do all kind of stuff as Christians. I'm talking tongue-talking. Christians. If you knew your story that you are once a terrorist, why do you now find it difficult to have that same disposition towards the others who are still terrorists now that you have received salvation? Now that you have received grace? 
Why don't you show the same mercy and show the same understanding when you are dealing with people that are yet to receive that same mercy with which you are saved? Amen? Amen. So because it was the story of Saul, he understood, and that's why he was able to reach many more than we are. We fail to reach many more people because of this simple reason. Okay? Christians today, all over the world, could not accomplish the task that God has given unto us because of the failure to understand this. That there is no one that Jesus is not interested in saving. No one. Not single one. If we understood that, our prayers would have changed. We are still like the sons of Zebedee, calling heaven to send fire, to slaughter those that are not listening to Jesus, or those that will not welcome him into their coming. But no, not Paul. So we need to understand that if we're going to reach the world, if we're going to win the world, we need to understand there is no single human being on earth that Jesus is not interested in saving. When you have that mindset, I believe you're on your way. You are on your way to doing what God has called you to do, like Paul did. Amen. There is no one Paul will not reach. I became all things to all men, so that by any means I may win some. Until we get there. That's why God gave us the epistle of Paul. The reason there has been so much hindrance in reaching the world is because Christians are hypocrites. Most Christians, we judge even when Jesus said, do not judge anyone. We will not remember that we were once, we were once terrorists. And now we have received salvation and all of a sudden we are holier than thou. We see everyone with the eyes of the righteousness that Jesus purchased with his blood. And we begin to view men, see men from the flesh. But Jesus never wanted us to do that. And that's why he gave us Paul. Amen? I'm going to round up with the few minutes that I have left. Why are we studying Saul of Tarsus, a one-man terrorist that turned God's own treasure. There are things that I saw in his life that I will mention quickly because I've mentioned one of them that I think God wanted us to see. You know, all of this point, I, I'm hoping and trusting that the Holy Spirit is writing them in the tablets of your heart. Because we do not have, you can do the study yourself, but these are just nuggets that you can lay hold on while you are doing the study of the life of Saul or Tarsus. I am telling you, the moment, let's say, Warfarin, because saying Christian all over the world is too big, Warfarin, I guarantee you, if every one of us, we go home, lay hold on this scripture and ask God to release the grace unto us. And remove the sap on our eyes. So we can see like Saul is seen or Paul is seen. So that we can see like Jesus is seen. That the terrorists in our place of work, Jesus need him. That that hallowed Jesus need him. Yes. You know that all those people that are, you know, backbiting against you. Those people that want to kill you, you don't have to kill them. Don't pray for Jesus to kill them for he doesn't want to kill them. Yes. 
He is not interested in the death of the sinner. He wants to save them. He wants you to pray to him to save them, not to kill them. See, we are all in this caravan. And God wanted to deliver us, sent us, wanting to deliver us, sent us Saul. If every one of us here today, if our disposition will change, I guarantee you that this church will be filled. If our disposition to those, our friends, or the so-called unbelievers, we label them, we change. If we begin to x-ray and begin to see them the way Jesus is seeing them, these are potential candidates of heaven. These are potential, potential treasures in the hand of God. And we begin to go on our knees to pray for them as, a, as opposed to praying against them. Things will begin to happen beyond our understanding. Starting from our homes. Starting from the place we walk. Starting from our community. If our heart disposition is pricked and we begin to say like Paul, I became all things to all men. So that by any means, I may win some. We will begin to see changes in the world. Amen? Amen. Few things I think I'm going to mention for us to take home. And the first one, I think I've already mentioned this one. It is the, um, his decision on the spot obedience. On the spot obedience. No question asked. When Jesus said, go, no question, yes, sir. Okay, just keep going. Just keep going. Whatever question you have is going to be answered on that step of gold. As you're taking that step, those questions will be answered. It's that simple. Amen? Unquestionable obedience. I want us to lay hold on that. That was in the life of Paul. God wanted us to see that. Amen? Second one. And you can, Philippians chapter 3, just read the entire Philippians chapter 3. Okay? Most of these points are there. Philippians chapter 3. Second point. His denier. The first one is his decision, which is on this spot obedience. His denier, reckless abandonment of the past, the law. His denier, reckless abandonment of the past, which is the law. See, he was tutored in the law. Paul was a professor of the laws of God. He understood from A to Z the laws of Moses. The moment he encountered Jesus, it was a reckless abandonment. He completely abandoned the law and embrace trusting Christ. He exchanged it. Rather than trusting, let me read this one to you. I think this one is worth reading. I have two more minutes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, uh, Verse, shoo, 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 shoo. Um... Let me see if I can find that quickly. I just want to see. It says here, 
from verse 7 through 9, towards the later part, it said, um, I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I could get the, rebo- the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, I don't want the inferior kind of righteousness that comes as a result of keeping some petty rules. When I can get the robust kind of righteousness that comes just as a result of trusting Christ. So there was a reckless abandonment of the law and he clinged onto trusting, believing in Christ as opposed to the practice of the law because he knew the law cannot get him anywhere. That's what he had done. That's what has made him a terrorist. It was as a result of the law. Amen? So he abandoned the law and embrace believing, trust in Christ. Right? Uh, mention one more and we close. His determination. His determination. Total commitment. Total commitment. Philippians 3 12 to 16. Down there, he said, I am off and running and I am not turning back. Complete total commitment. So let's keep. Focus on the goal. Those of us who wants everything God has for us. Look at that. Those of us who wants everything God has for us. Let's keep our eyes on the goal. If you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, well, God will deliver you. That's what he simply says. If you have anything else in mind, God will deliver you. Amen? Total commitment. His decision, his denial, his determination. Every persecution that he went through, every trouble, every turbulence that Paul went through, he never looked back. He never once, for once, doubted Jesus, that Jesus called him. And you can see a share of the litany of all his troubles. I think in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read that. All he went through. A lot of troubles. Amen? Let's stand on our feet. Saul of Tarsus. A one-man terror turned God's own treasure. Jesus, I believe, sent his epistle unto us. For us to learn. So that those of us who wants everything that God wants for us will have the same mindset. Those of us who wants everything that God wants for us, that we may have the same mindset. That's why he said, Follow me. Follow me. Those of you that wants everything that God wants for you, he said, Follow me. Imitate me. Just follow me. If you want everything that God wants for you, will you talk to God this morning? For God to teach you everything that Paul knew. 
For God to help you to understand everything that Paul understood. For God to give you that same mindset. God in his infinite mercy that can change the life of a terror, a terrorist. Turn it around so much that he did exploit. Exploit in the name of God. Exploits in the name of God. And God could boastfully say, I chose him for special purposes. If you want everything that God wants for you, will you just say that simple prayer and say, Lord, I want everything that you want for me. I want everything that you want for me. So I'm asking you for the same grace. I ask for the same grace. That you bestowed upon Saul of Tarsus. That you made him such an incredible man. Quickly, quickly. In the history of the gospel. Whatever it is that I need to know, I want to know it. Whatever it is that I need to change, I want to change it. I want to change it. I ask for your grace now. In Jesus' name. Amen.